The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It is how we get to make more episodes and more people discover the show. Coming up today, Ian Castleberry will join me to talk about the media fallout from the University of Colorado, or actually, I think Colorado University, hiring uh, Deion Sanders as its new head football coach. It is a football story, don't get me wrong, but the media implications and the media commentary about what it means for the media has been overwhelming this week, so we will dive into that. Also, Eddie Moran is going to make his debut on the podcast. He's been writing some great sports business articles for us this uh, since he joined the site uh, about three months ago, and this week he wrote about what Bob Iger coming back to Disney means for the gambling future of ESPN. Bob Chapek, much more bottom line focused uh, than Iger is as Disney CEO. Iger still takes the family-friendly reputation of Disney very seriously. And and Eddie had some great conversations this week. We will dive in to that with him. But first, let's start in sports radio because as we get closer and closer to the end of the football season, we are getting closer and closer to the end of Angelo Cataldi's time at 94 WIP. And he is a name that I always bring up with Jason Barrett about me sort of being hired by JB and learning the business. When I started, it was a name that I had never heard before. And now, five years later, I understand exactly what it is that Angelo Cataldi represents for Philadelphia. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that in five years I know exactly what Angelo Cataldi means to Philadelphia sports fans, but I understand what it is he represents in that city. And I really love the send-off he has been getting. And when you have almost a year to say goodbye, you get to do a lot of cool stuff that you may not get to do if you make the announcement one day and you are gone the next like, for instance, Mike Missinelli did on 97.5 The Fanatic. And I bring up Missinelli because he was on with Angelo uh, earlier this week. Angelo Cataldi made a big deal out of the fact that it is the first time Missinelli's voice was heard on 94 WIP uh, since 2006. And this is what I mean by getting to do some really cool stuff. Earlier this year, Angelo has had Howard Eskin on, he has had Glenn McNow on, and not only has there been a lot of looking back of the history of the station and of the success of 94 WIP, but Missinelli came on and was not, did not hold anything back about the things he did not like that happened to him at WIP. He was not particularly, I don't think he was rude, but he just did not go out of his way to be particularly kind to, or in describing his time with Howard Eskin. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like that is sort of the nature of Philadelphia sports radio, or at least the nature of the stereotype of Philadelphia sports radio. And if you are saying goodbye to a presence like Angelo Cataldi, I don't think it is right to do it any other way than to do it in the peak spirit 
of Philadelphia Sports Radio. So as the weeks on the Philadelphia Eagles season tick down week by week and we get closer and closer to Angelo Cataldi saying he is done uh, with a daily radio show at 94 WIP, I think the station and Angelo and his staff are coming up with very appropriate and very creative moments uh, that really put their stamp on this goodbye. Angelo has very much made it his own and not just a generic radio goodbye. I want to bring everybody behind the curtain at Barrett Sports Media uh, real quick because on Monday, uh, I texted an idea for a column about Deion Sanders to Ian Castleberry. And both of us agreed that it was interesting but it's not really a media story. In the end, Ian decided to write the column. And what is interesting, Ian, is I didn't disagree with your pushback. But seemingly everybody in the media has wanted to talk about what Deion Sanders going to Colorado means to the media since that column came out. Yeah, it, it, it's a media story in that plenty of media want to talk about it, which is, yeah, that's what makes it a media story. And that's ultimately uh, the angle I, I went for uh, w- with the column. Um, uh, I know what we originally talked about was, was a slightly different angle, and I think it definitely applies, and we will see that. We're already seeing that, but we will certainly see that uh, in the weeks to come. But, uh, yeah, you know, a, a coaching hire um, doesn't always become a media story the way Deion Sanders to Colorado has. Right. I mean, honestly, I think maybe the last one, Gosh, like, and I don't even know necessarily if this is a one-for-one, one, but the, the only other one I can think of would be Harbaugh to Michigan, maybe uh, maybe Saban to Alabama because of the, you know, line to leave the Dolphins nature of it. I don't mean to name our respective favorite college teams, but <laughs> they really are the only other two I can think of. What I found really interesting, the most interesting comment, Tyler Columbus, who is on Altitude Sports Radio out in Denver, made a very valid point. Like everybody around the country has been saying this is the first time Colorado football is relevant since 1990 when they split a national championship with Georgia Tech. Uh, Tyler Columbus, who played at Colorado, who now is on the radio in Denver, said that this is literally the first time he's been allowed to talk about Colorado football on the radio in years. Yeah, and if that so if that's what makes this a media story, then absolutely what, what Tyler had to say confirms that uh, I do like the Harbaugh comparison because I think even though it took Jim Harbaugh seven years much to my and many Michigan fans frustration <laughs> to turn things around at Michigan he always had Michigan in the media media loves writing about Jim Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh is good for clicks quite frankly and I think that's a big reason why Michigan may have not uh, been a, as quick to make a decision uh, especially around 2020 as Michigan fans would have liked. Harbaugh brings in money. Uh, You look at the revenues they've had at that program since Jim Harbaugh came aboard as coach. And I think you're going to see very similar circumstances, very similar effects with Deion Sanders. We would not be talking about University of Colorado football right now. I mean, just the fact if they'd hired uh, uh, Tom Herman or uh, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, I, I mean, it would be a blip. Uh, in, in the college football news cycle and then get lost uh, underneath uh, uh, the playoff and the transfer portal talk. But Dion going to Colorado makes this a big story and, and it continues to be with 
uh, you know, Dion hiring uh, coaches, uh, whether, for, you know, uh, hiring the Kent State coach as the offensive coordinator. He hired an assistant from Alabama. You're going to have plenty of people in the transfer portal who are interested, who never would have considered Colorado, right. who now are going to go there because of Dion. So this, as I wrote, it's the gift that keeps on giving and will continue to give uh, college football media, both in Boulder uh, and Denver uh, and on a national basis for college football. So I'm glad you said that because that actually ties perfectly into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Um Michigan going to Jim Harbaugh did not do anything to make Michigan more valuable to the Big Ten. They didn't need to be more valuable to the Big Ten. Nick Saban coming to Alabama. I mean, Alabama was a mess, but I still think Alabama at that time was a very valuable brand to the SEC. George Kaliavkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, told Andy Staples, this absolutely is something we are going to bring up in TV rights negotiations. Uh, It's shocking to hear, but I don't know... Okay, I don't know that it's wrong. That being said, if I'm a media partner, given the way coaching careers and coaching searches go, I'm only offering the Big 12 a four-year deal because every school that is not Alabama and Michigan needs to be thinking we probably have to do this every four years. Yeah, I, I suppose the Pac-12 and, and Klyavikov, uh, you know, have a right to ask for whatever they want to take a swing, just like Colorado did in hiring Deion Sanders and saying, well, you know, if suddenly – there is much more demand to have Colorado on not big noon kickoff per se, but say the three thirty game sure. on Fox or, or, or ESPN. If suddenly there's more uh, interest in, in PAC 12 network, but because of Deion Sanders, because of Colorado now, then that, that's certainly a chance uh, the, the PAC 12 uh, can take. I think Dion does make uh, Colorado a huge story. He does create uh, a, added media uh, interest uh, for Colorado. So, but will it affect media rights as a whole? Uh, that, that's a good question. I mean, I think that's one reason why Colorado had trouble attracting a coach uh, to begin with. You know, people were kind of surprised that say Luke Fickle went from Cincinnati where he had a really good gig going to Wisconsin, but everybody uh, in college football raised their hand and say, well, look at how much money uh, the big 10 is going to generate composed uh, compared to the big 12. And and that's honestly why I think that if I am any of the TV networks the Pac-12 is talking to, I tell them, okay, we'll give you a three-year deal. We'll give you a four-year deal because at some point, and this I think ties into what Bomani Jones was talking about on CNN earlier this week, like Dion is out for Dion and that's okay. Like you, in this business, you do have to be out for yourself a little bit. The idea of molder of men, like it's just bullshit. There's no, there's no way around right. it. Right. Um, but Dion, and, and again, this is what I mean by this is what Bomani was talking about. His son Shadur, the quarterback that is up for the Walter Payton award, which is like the FCS version of the Heisman. Well, he's going to Colorado with Dion, uh, Travis Hunter, the great, uh, wide receiver slash cornerback going to Colorado with Dion. It's not like he's leaving Jackson state in great shape. And if I am, a network talking about doing business with the Pac-12 and they present to me, well, look, Deion Sanders is at Colorado. I mean, I don't think it's wrong to point at Jackson State and say, okay, so that's what you're going to be dealing with in three to four years when a Big Ten or SEC team has money you don't to to lure Deion away. Absolutely. Colorado is a stepping stone job, right? Even if Deion does eventually make it a destination. I mean, just two coaches ago, Mel Tucker bolted Colorado after just right. one season to go uh, to Michigan State. So is is this a situation where I know these sorts of things aren't front-loaded, and I don't know how much, say, media day 
rights are, are included in a media rights package. But suddenly, uh, Pac-12 Media Day becomes a lot more interesting that day <laughs> when Dion and University of Colorado are up there. I mean, th that's going to be a must-see TV. But I think you're right. If, if you're talking about a 10-year, 12-year deal, uh, what's to say, and it seems doubtful, that Dion will be there uh, through that uh, entire deal, even through the five years that he's signed with Colorado. Many analysts believe that the last straw for Bob Chapek at Disney was trying to poo-poo the loss of about $1.5 billion in the last quarter for the company's streaming service. A, a very quick way to make it up to me seems to be ESPN going forward with the $3 billion, estimated $3 billion deal to license its name to a sports book. But now there's a new boss. Eddie Moran uh, has been writing some great sports business pieces for us. And he talked to folks both on the Disney side and on the gambling side about why that deal may be in jeopardy now with Bob Iger back in the fold. Eddie, thank you so much for being on the show to talk about this. And what is interesting is it basically comes down to, even though, yeah, we had to move on from Bob Chapek because the profitability wasn't there. What it comes down to is profitability versus the historical philosophy of the Walt Disney Company, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's been really interesting to see the evolution, especially in such a family-friendly company with a history like Disney, to embrace something that even just five, ten years ago was seen as such an anomaly with sports betting. And I, what I think is really interesting is the how the industry is sort of looking at the at sports betting as a whole and the profitability. And I think that that's maybe a sticking point because as we know at Disney, whether it's layoffs or hiring freezes or our advertiser spending going down and revenue going down the result of the economy and, and pandemic, is that betting is a very difficult proposition to to know to for a lot of a better term put all of your money in. And I think that seeing the smaller smaller gambling companies, you know, whether that's like um, Max is better, Fubo TV, aiming, looking to get rid of their sportsbook operations, maybe that's just a sign that Disney may, might have to either pump the brakes a little bit or get out of it completely because even if it's a big name or you're, you're still entering into a space that's really dominated by the, the DraftKings, the BetMGMs, the FanDuel's of the world. So maybe that competition and the recent history of sportsbook shutterings is making Disney maybe take a little bit of a step back and think, okay, should we really be going out of here? Is, is part of it maybe that, you know, with Iger being a little bit less profit-driven than Bob Chapek was, is it fair to wonder if maybe Bob Chapek saw a potential in ESPN? Sports betting aside, just he saw a potential in ESPN that Iger doesn't necessarily see. I mean, he is the guy that oversaw the acquisition of Pixar, the acquisition of Star Wars, the acquisition of Marvel. Like Bob Iger is very clearly an entertainment industry guy and, and JPEG wasn't. Yeah, yeah, you can certainly say that. And you can't deny that JPEG really was trying to write that shit from, from ESPN perspective with its, with the Strapping deal and with the recent talks of the $3 billion expanded partnership. Um, and, and I guess sometimes with some people, like certain leaders, they, they want to maintain those roots and maintain those values. 
no, regardless of how much profit they they could seek. And I think that Bob Iger, you know, really dedicated himself on maintaining that familial image with, with Disney, you know, when he was still there at the helm. And when he was secretly, it seems like, which I think is really interesting for media reports, really calling the shots and sort of pulling the strings for, it seems like what a lot of what Chapek was involved in. Maybe that included... Um, disagreements over the ESPN relationship and what ESPN was doing on the sports family front. Maybe that added to the friction, it seems like, behind the scenes between Chapek, who is trying to drive profits in, in an incredibly difficult market to do so, versus Iger, who is really trying to uphold and maintain that semblance of family and community and safety that Disney's been associated with uh, since its inception. So let me ask you a question then. Coming off of that, um, you're right that we still see or that we are seeing some of these smaller books shutter, but sports gambling is still becoming legal in new states every year, right? Uh, the content is undeniably a necessity for any sports media entity. Does even owning ESPN still fit with the Disney philosophy if we are sort of going back to the future, let's say, with Bob Iger? Uh, apologies for mentioning the uh, the competitor universal there. <laughs> I just can't envision, because I know that there's been a lot of talk about ESPN spinning off and becoming its own property, but it, I just I feel like ESPN, like when you think of when you think of the Disney brand, of course, there's Pixar, of course, there's Lucasfilm, of course, there's the theme parks and the live entertainment. But I feel like ESPN is the prominent sub-brand with Disney. And I think it would do more harm than good, not only from a bottom line perspective, but maybe from a PR and just reputational side of things. Deciding to sever ties with ESPN makes ESPN its own separate entity. And I think that that will hurt not only the consumer experience as well, because the one thing that's nice about Disney and ESPN, it's they're, they're also intertwined and it's the user experience is very transferable given just the relationship that Disney has with ESPN. It has with Hulu, Disney Plus. I just feel like from a user experience perspective, having all of them together helps more than maybe having ESPN beneath its own separate standalone independent entity this concludes our broadcast day thanks for listening to the media noise podcast with dimitri ravanos be sure to subscribe on itunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes to stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings visit barrettsportsmedia.com 